0: Hello everybody, Bob Oxley here. It's time for tips, topics, issues, and positions. And today uh, we want to welcome back to our studio here at TIPS uh, Dr. Jeremy Young, who is a assistant professor of history as well as the director of the Institute of Politics here at Dixie State University. Welcome back, Dr. Young.
1: Thanks, it's glad. good to be here again. Right.
0: I've got a very uh, active uh, agenda here for us to take a look at. We're going to talk. The topic is the Utah State Legislative Session 2019, and there's a lot of lot of topics here that we want to take a look at and issues that we'd love to have your opinion. Uh, that's what we're all about here at uh, TIPS. So uh, do you want to get started? Sure. All right. I'm just going to throw out overall topics and uh, – and we can talk specifics about uh, different bills that were considered and what the government, uh, the governor's uh, Herbert signed or not signed or what got hung up in committee, that type of thing. So sure. Uh, the first general topic that I want to talk about for the 2019 session for the Utah State Legislature is health care. All right. Um, big topic. It is a big topic. Um I guess the big one that we really want to find out about, I'm, my listeners have already uh, requested that uh, you use your expertise so they can <laughs> understand it, is that uh, Medicaid expansion program, the revisions. And can you give us some insight on that? Where, where, What is it? Where did it go? Uh, has it been signed? Is it going to be signed? Any changes? Anything like that?
1: Sure. So uh, as I think we mentioned the last time I was on the show, uh, the voters passed in November a uh, a. a an initiative or w- referendum that would uh, have expanded Medicaid coverage uh, through the provisions of Obamacare. Uh, now the legislature was concerned, uh, and there's been some disagreement in the past over that question between, legis- between legislators and between the legislators and the governor who's been fairly supportive of expanding uh, Medicaid but there was some concern uh, among legislators that the uh, that the, the bill as passed was going to bankrupt the state uh, in the long term that it was going to uh, lead to uh, state payments for medicaid that would exceed what this, the tax base could provide and so the legislature ended up passing a bill that would expand medicaid but that would tie it to uh, first of all that would it would change changed the amount that it was expanded, uh, expanded less than the proposition had requested to save some money for the state. And second, there was a a lot of support within the legislature and from the governor for tying Medicaid to a work requirement. So essentially you can't get uh, Medicaid unless you're working within a certain amount of time after you apply. And uh, the, there's political arguments about whether that's the, the way to go, but the biggest concern among supporters of the expansion was that uh, Obamacare, as currently written, doesn't allow for, uh, for that. Um, requirement to be in place. So the federal government has been, under President Trump, has been trying to provide waivers for states that want to do it that way. Uh, So far, those waivers have been struck down in lower courts as uh, violating the Obamacare law, the Affordable Health Care Act. And the uh, Trump administration and uh, I think the the legislators and the governor believe or hope that that the ability to issue a waiver like that will eventually be upheld by the Supreme Court, in which case uh, the expansion would go into in, into force in this sort of lesser form with a with a requirement for for work. Uh, if the Supreme Court doesn't, uh, either doesn't uphold. Um, the The ability to give a waiver, or if the, the administration for some reason doesn't provide one to Utah, then it, it would essentially not go into effect, and the, and it, if in that case the legislature would have to consider the question again next year.
0: Wow, here we go again, right? Possibly, never ends. Uh, it never <laughs> ends, is right. Um, I'm looking here at uh, on under health care also um, health care charges. This is create a health care. Price transparency tool. Do you know anything about that?
1: Hmm. I think that that's one of the bills that was passed uh, fairly unanimously by the legislature. I think that um, it, it was, or at least by an overwhelming margin. I think that the, it was a more of a technical question related to uh, how pricing for healthcare is is provided, and I, I don't think that one was pr- made as many headlines. Uh, probably, probably a sort of routine good government bill.
0: Got it. Got it. I got one more for you. Under up. Sure. I'm loaded today for you. (laughs) This one here is interesting because of the cost of prescription medication. Uh, This actually was a bill. It says the Prescription Drug Importation Program, and it's to create a state-run program to import pharmaceuticals directly from Canada. What happened with that one?
1: So this is something that states have been pursuing, um, and its uh, it does seem to be legal for states to do it and legal for the federal government to do it, although they haven't been doing it, uh, um, and it's been a topic of discussion. Essentially, uh, drugs, for a variety of reasons, are more expensive when purchased in the United States than they are in other countries. Now, there's always some concern among medical professionals that those drugs purchased in other countries might be uh, might not meet american safety standards but when the other country is canada uh, there's a pretty good sense that those drugs do meet safety standards and uh, being able to the state being able to purchase drugs from Canada or state health providers or even the insurance being able to negotiate uh, situations like that uh, saves a lot of money both for the insurance and ultimately for the consumer. So uh, Utah's joined a lot of other states in in greenlighting that.
0: Okay, let me ask you a question about that though is <clears throat> is it the reason that the uh, same prescription drugs are lesser? Uh, costly to the patients in Canada as compared to us, even though they're negotiated with the same pharmaceutical company that's making the same drug? Is it because of the government of Canada does the negotiating? Is that?
1: Uh, So I'm trying to remember now uh, what the reason is for that difference. Um, I think that it has, uh, that that the, the prices are more tightly regulated in Canada. I think that um there some of it has to do with the private insurance model in the United States and the Medicare model both of which so Medicare does not currently allow um Medicare itself as an insurance company to negotiate with drug companies to set prices so uh essentially the drug company can charge whatever they want to charge and Medicare is we're simply required to cover it and because Medicare covers a lot of Americans um although albeit entirely elderly Americans um it it allows the drug companies to raise prices a lot. The, the price of a drug is essentially determined by the drug company without their, in the United States without there being anyone who can negotiate with it, whether the government, whether the, the insurance company. And I think that that is not the case in Canada, and that's the reason for the difference.
0: Okay. I've got another question for you along the same line. Sometime last year, this is outside of the legislature, but I'm sure they approved it, I think, It was released, there was a press release that came out that said if you were a public employee in the state of Utah, uh, that you had an option that the government would reimburse you, if you were a public employee, reimburse you to go to Mexico to get certain medical treatments, and they did their calculations and they found out it's cheaper to pay for your flight to Mexico and the cost of... The medical treatment than it is to stay here and go locally, right? Uh, can, can you elaborate a little bit on that? I am I right? Is that did that pass? Is that in effect? Or? I
1: I think I've heard of people who've been offered that by their insurance companies to go to I don't not sure if those people are in Utah, but I but I have heard of that and and it, again there's some question about whether the 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 um, the process of certifying medical procedures is is entirely safe in Mexico, but it, it is for certain procedures, and so if the if if the procedure is safe and the insurance company determines that it's much cheaper to fly someone to Mexico for care than to get have them get care in the United States, then that's what they're trying to do. So it's it's really the same question uh, that's that's involved with those with that so, policy.
0: Yeah. So it's uh, North America, Canada for the prescriptions, and uh, Mexico for actual procedures. Yes. So that's that's real. Okay.
1: Yes, I, I think that the, the the real takeaway here is that the there are con, there there are parts of the the U.S. healthcare system that nobody likes. <laughs> there are uh, parts that are controversial, and there are parts that are broadly popular, and there are parts that nobody likes. And one of those parts is the fact that everything is so expensive in the United States. Uh, and so this is a federal government problem. It is expensive for federal reasons. It doesn't really have much to do with Utah. And so what Utah is doing is trying to to handle the problem at a state level by allowing uh, providers and insurers and consumers to shop around rather than waiting for the federal government to offer a solution. It really doesn't look like the federal government is close to offering any kind of solution to any healthcare problem right now, given that it's control of Congress is divided between the the two parties. So this is a a Utah stopgap and it's a stopgap. A lot of other states are engaging in as well.
0: All right. Great. Which we know that, uh, President Trump, just to throw this in, made a statement yesterday that uh, the Affordable Care Act will be no longer as long as he's going to push for that to eliminate that. Um, right. And I understand that the, some of the, his Republican um, colleagues have indicated we don't have anything to replace it with. So. Right.
1: And that's, there's two problems there. One, that, that, that Republicans can't agree among themselves what a replacement would look like. And two, that they don't control all of Congress at this point. So it, it seems very unlikely that any kind of health care plan of any type would pass in the next two years. Okay, great.
0: Okay, can we can we change topics now? Sure. We've we've uh, did a you did a great job with <laughs> health healthcare. You. How about air quality? We especially here in Utah, up in uh, around Salt Lake City, with the in- inversion problem and in the I mean the. Uh, we had alerts, we had orange levels and critical red levels. And uh, right. uh, one of the things that, uh, one of the proposals was that there was a vehicle emissions reduction program. And it said that uh, it would reduce the emissions by re- retiring the dir- dirtiest failing cars on the road.
1: Right. Wow. So this is an easy way to reduce emissions because there are cars on the emission standards have been consistently tightened, especially since the 1990s. Um, but starting in the 1960s, there aren't a lot of vehicles on the road from before then. But there are still a lot of vehicles on the road from before the 1990s, and uh, some of them are trucks. Some of them are you know things that are that are very expensive, so you keep them working for a very long time, and th- those vehicles emit 10, 20 times as much uh, carbon dioxide and other other uh, problematic gases as modern vehicles do in the U.S. And so simply convincing Americans to get rid of those vehicles and replace them with more modern vehicles is uh, it would have a really significant effect on the environment. Uh, the problem is it, that costs the average consumer money <laughs> to go sell their car that they have. It's, all those cars are paid off. They've been around for 20, 30 years. Um, and so uh, it, the government would provide an incentive under this plan to uh, to to do that, the government would essentially pay people to turn in their their uh, their cars and replace them with newer cars. And this is you know, this is a policy that governments have been supportive of in the United States for a long time. There was a cash for clunkers program in uh, the stimulus bill in 2009 that did a very similar thing to this, and it was the same idea. The difficulty is just money. You know, does a federal government or a state government have enough money to do it? And so. The air quality uh, discussion began this legislative session with the governor in his State of the State address, uh, calling on the legislature to spend hundred million dollars to improve air quality, and that was a big ask. That the, the state doesn't have an enormous budget. That was it would be a huge chunk of the budget, and they didn't get there. They didn't get to a hundred million dollars, but they did get to twenty eight million dollars increase in spending on air quality and. Oh. This was a big part of that. This was one of the components of, of that plan.
0: Wow, interesting. Uh, long, we're sticking staying with air quality. Another one of the proposals was to the environmental quality monitoring amendment uh, directs the DEQ to monitor and report environ environ impacts of the inland port development. So the inland port development, this is a uh, uh, it, it, it's it's kind of,
1: a misleading name. It's it's not actually a port. Uh, of course, the only body, large body of water around where it would be developed is the Great Salt Lake. Uh, they're not going to be uh, there's not going to be a lot of boating on the Great Salt Lake anytime that soon. <laughs> uh, but it the, that's the that's where they come up with the name. Basically, it's a large uh, industrial and and uh, commercial development uh, that that is being proposed for um, for Salt Lake City, and there are a lot of concerns among environmental quality groups about the environmental impact of it. As you know, Salt Lake City has a massive uh, inversion problem with, uh, with smog that is among the worst of any city in the country, yes. particularly during certain seasons. And the, um, and so the port the, the, the idea of this development is that it, you know, it would provide a lot of economic benefit for the region, but it might also uh, really cause problems for the air quality, which is be- beginning to be a major health concern in, in that area and is getting worse. And um, so again, they're they're clear, cleaning up the inversion, cleaning up the the air in Salt Lake City would be very expensive, and the legislature didn't appropriate enough money to completely solve the problem, which would be a lot of money. Uh, but this is the first step; they they appropriated uh, money to to simply study the question of whether this development would create pollution problems, and then potentially to to
0: try to remediate that before it would be fully completed. Okay, so they're are kind of covering themselves a little bit on that one, right?
1: Covering themselves, but also I think you know, studying a problem is never never a bad idea uh, before you pass legislation to deal with it. Um, there's essentially a lot of dispute between the advocates of the inland port and uh, climate activists over just how much pollution it would cause, and so studying it would be a good way to resolve that dispute. But I
0: think before before proceeding, and there's a lot of controversy along with it. How to proceed on? There's, right. there's a lot of different viewpoints.
1: Right. It's hard to say no to a development that's going to bring create jobs, but at the same time, uh, it's hard to say yes to a development that's going to make people feel sick. So yeah. <laughs> there's a, there needs to be a way to balance those concerns, and I think that's what the
0: legislature was trying to do here. Fantastic. Okay, thanks. Oh, you ready to change the topic? Sure. Let's go to education now. Yes. We're moving right through the state legislature session. They should w- listen to us. We, we move through all <laughs> these things pretty rapidly. Well, it's easy
1: for us to talk about it once they've worked on it for 45 days. They've yeah, been a lot of work.
0: That's true. Uh, this one here uh, under uh, education, it said health education amendments. And this is provides that health education instruction may include information about contraception.
1: And uh, this is on the list. Uh, what, I'm trying to look at your, your list here uh, to see what the outcome of this amendment was. Um, d- this is a bill that passed, correct? Yeah. Right. So I think that this was a, again, a sort of a sort of um, m- small change uh, in some ways to uh, the way that that um, health education and sex education is conducted in the state of Utah. There's been These have been subjects of a lot of controversy for a long time, not just in Utah but in other states, uh, as to whether uh, education programs should uh, teach sexual health at all, whether they should uh, be abstinence only, whether they should discuss contraception, whether they should uh, uh, be what's so-called comprehensive sex education that includes uh, discussions of social systems and relationship practices and things of that sort – and um, I think that the purpose of this bill uh, was, was to – and I actually didn't realize it had passed until you, until you mentioned that – was to, I guess I would say, return some local control over that question to individual schools and school districts uh, and teachers um, so that uh, that can be determined at a more local level rather than uh, simply banning the discussion of contraception at a state level. Uh, so I think that's what, that's what was done.
0: All right. Uh, here's another one for you. It's the Education Accountability Amendments, and let me. This one's this one. I'm sure is because you're in education. So here we right. go. It says so remove. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Removes the single letter grade from school evaluations in favor of a dashboard system.
1: Uh, a dashboard system. That's interesting. Uh, so
0: I think the idea is is to
1: provide a more. Nuanced system for evaluating uh, school children at the K through 12 levels so that um, it, it, rather than simply using the letter grade system, which a lot of we, we still use it even in higher education, but we also increasingly added to other things. Uh, people uh, use terms like satisfactory, unsatisfactory, needs work. Um, we use a point system very often. It's not not the way this used to be done 50 years ago. It was just the letter, but now, that now there's a point system out of 100 sometimes or other points. And I think this is a way of providing more flexibility on that those grounds as well.
0: Okay, so it's giving them... The flexibility necessary, and it's really going to be is it left up? Do you think it's going to be left up to the districts themselves to make the determination if there's going to be any changes?
1: I think that that's probably the case, yes. Okay,
0: all right. Uh, I'm going to move right on to strengthening families. We're moving, we're well, moving. Well, that's
1: through. that's always a good thing. <laughs> we like that,
0: yeah. I, I've just I, there's so, there's a lot going on, but um, here's one that uh, it, it says family medical unpaid leave. Provisions, and uh, it's uh, SB 110. It says requires certain employers to provide at least three weeks of unpaid leave to certain employees. Right. Yes. This this one I've I, I've been
1: tracking for a while. I, okay. the, the the name is. It's it's one of those names that is you know people call like to call their bills the Good Government Act right (laughs) well we'll, (laughs) what are you gonna if you vote against it what what are you gonna say to your constituents I voted against Good Government so yeah strengthening families so so this is a bill that uh, that that uh, allows um, or requires actually uh, employers as you said to provide three weeks of at least three weeks of unpaid leave to all workers um, after the birth of a child and so. That is, um, again, there's a lot of discussion and argument about unpaid or or paid uh, family leave. In European countries, it's uh, traditional for there to be uh, as much as a year and a half of paid leave for both parents. Some countries have that. Um, In the United States, uh, there's been a lot of pushback against that approach by corporations who argue that that would uh, really significantly hurt their bottom line. the uh, uh, the state of California recently passed, uh, or actually didn't pass, but uh, Governor Newsom proposed a family leave uh, plan that w- that would provide six weeks of, uh, actually I think six months of paid leave uh, for both parents, uh, and that would be by far the most uh, paid leave that's mandated. In any state in the United States, and of course, any employer can provide more paid or unpaid leave if they want to. This is about setting a minimum requirement, and so uh, there. Since especially since that uh, proposal came through from Governor Newsom in California, there's been a, a push to um, to do similar things in other states. Uh, and as usual in Utah, this is a this is a a baby step, right? Utah legislators uh, tend to believe in gradualism and gradual approaches to things, and so this is uh, moving simply to the point where you know you, you can require an employer to let parents take three weeks if they don't have to pay them. That's you're not going to get a lot of opposition from employers for that because uh, it doesn't really affect their pocketbook. They're just without an employee for three weeks, uh, and most employers probably already do something similar to that, and so uh th- there's not going to be a lot of opposition to that uh, but as far as paid leave, which is where the real fight is uh or longer periods of leave that's that's very much uh still an open question and not part of this bill
0: and it is for both parents it's not gender, it's not male female it's...
1: right, and that's what the push is for to make to make this leave for both parents um to, to take uh and I think that this bill again is is a is a beginning in that direction
0: okay, fantastic. Um, I've got uh, something here under uh, good government, and we're talking about uh, straight ticket voting prohibition amendments. Right. And it says removes straight ticket party voting and requires voting for the candidates on a ballot a ballot individually. That seems to is that a big deal.
1: It, it 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 does tend to have a large effect um, because so essentially if you are if you're certain that you're a Democrat or you're a Republican, uh, it's it makes it easier for you to go in and check a box that says I want to vote for all the Democrats and then you might still end up voting on things like judicial uh, election or retention elections or uh, le- uh, bills measures that are being being proposed but uh, but you're you're going to just vote for all of the partisan candidates in a, in a particular party. And on the one hand, that tends to improve um, uh, uh, turnout on so- on certain races. If if your uh, candidates who are running for you know county assessor like that option, because then they actually get votes, and sometimes they don't get votes otherwise. And on the other hand, it decreases the chance of uh, people swi- uh, uh, splitting their ticket and voting for uh, one Democrat along with the other Republicans or one Republican along with the other Democrats. So. Uh, Gov- good government advocates have had a lot of different positions on this. I think that the idea that straight ticket voting hurts uh, local candidates is valid, but I also think uh, it's it's, val- it's important to allow and encourage people to think think openly about who they're going to support for each and every race. So that's what this bill does. It, it takes that option away and makes it so that so that each race is something that voters decide uh, directly, no matter what. That's great.
0: Listen, we're going to take a break now. Uh, but don't go away. We're going to be right back after these messages. Uh, this is Bob Oxley for tips and coming back and, uh, listening to some more great opinions and expertise from our guest, Dr. Jeremy Young from Dixie state university. Uh, we'll be right back. Goodbye now. Welcome back. Here we are again, tips and, uh, Dr. Jeremy Young's ready to take on some more questions concerning our Utah 2019 uh, legislative session. And, uh, uh, Dr. Young, <laughs> here we go. Here we, go. Uh, we don't stop, do we? There's a, there was a lot of activity, wasn't there, up yes, there? Yes, it was a very busy session, I think. Yeah. Uh, here's one for you. Um, this is some of the other bills. The uh, Bureau of Criminal Identification Reporting Amendment. It says, requires reporting of people deemed by a court to be mentally unfit to purchase a firearm. Right.
1: So this was a bill that um, that made it so that if a court... Has declared people to be unfit to purchase a firearm for mental for reasons of mental health uh, distress. Um, that that decision has to be reported to other law enforcement agencies and to and to gun dealers so that it it can be made known. So it it's again a kind of a routine good government bill. It's not uh, the, the, there's there's no real opposition to this even from gun manufacturers. If, if the if, if the state is already saying that someone can't buy a gun, there's no reason for that information not to be to be made known to the people who would actually sell the
0: guns. Right. And that probably is a response to some of the uh, mass shootings. Uh, recently, right,
1: and-, and and there a lot of these gun bills were in response uh, to the 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 murder of Lauren McCluskey at the University of Utah uh, by an an ex boyfriend who had had a gun in his possess who had 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 a significant mental distress and had had a a gun in his possession that wasn't his that someone else had lent him, um, and so that led to a, a variety of bills on gun control in the legislature. Um, none of which passed except for this one this one was was pretty uncontroversial but the others uh, th- there were people who wanted to uh, make it a felony to lend someone a gun uh, who wanted to uh, th- there were more traditional liberal bills such as banning certain types of guns for being sold entirely and then there was also a bill that went the other way that was proposed that would have uh, stated that that uh, Utah uh, didn't uh, that, that, that Utah was completely against uh, any further uh, gun regulations, mm. uh, and none of those passed. Uh, the only ones that passed were this one you mentioned, and also a bill that uh, that essentially stated Utah is happy with its gun laws as they are, uh, right. which is. About as uncontroversial as you can get. Right? <laughs> Our tough. laws are good laws. That's uh, get people to vote for that. Oh. That's, that's like getting people to vote for a, for a, the naming up a, a post office, right? <laughs> <That's> <laughs> Nobody's great. really going to object to that. <laughs> there you go.
0: Great. I uh, got another one for you. How about this one? Water conservation plan amendments. And this is requires water uh, retailers to evaluate how to conserve and cost of not conserving.
1: Another sort of routine good government bill. This is this is designed to make um, basically to make uh, if you're gonna if you're a person who sells water, if you're a company that sells water, um, you should make sure that the water you're selling is being used. You should make sure that your water lines aren't leaking. You should make sure that you're uh, you're not selling you know someone a thousand gallons of water and they only use five hundred and then the rest just gets dumped into the soil. You, you you need to make efforts to conserve the water that that isn't. Isn't being used by anyone else that you've sold or that you that that you're trying to sell.
0: Okay, great. Here we go with another one. This one here was very controversial. Abortion amendments. Right. Uh, prohibits abortion of a fetus at 18 weeks.
1: So the current Utah law prohibits abortion of a fetus, I believe, at 20 weeks, and this bill would have reduced it to 18. Um, now federally. Uh, Roe versus Wade uh, draws that line at uh, at uh, 24 weeks so bills that draw it uh, lower have generally been viewed as unconstitutional by the courts um, however uh, the um, uh, the Supreme Court has recently changed its composition and there's some some uh, thought that some of these uh, abortion provisions may be in question now and that the new laws uh, restricting abortion might be upheld by the new court uh, with uh, Neil Gorsuch and Brett Kavanaugh on the court replacing two other justices. And so this is a bill that the Utah legislature passed to try to uh, restrict abortion access uh, in essentially the, the middle trimester to restrict it to only eight, 18 weeks after uh, conception. Uh, and it's going the bill, uh, well, first of all, uh, the bill was uh, had it taken effect was going to be immediately uh, challenged in court by the ACLU, uh, and then it would have probably joined a bunch of other bills in, in other states that are have similar purposes, and they would have all traveled together over the next few years to the, up the court system to the Supreme Court. Uh, however, uh, in this case, uh, the governor vetoed the bill. Uh, this is. Uh, the only major veto that the governor issued uh, this year, um, he 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 said that even though he's pro-life, uh, yes. that he he didn't think that this he thought this bill was essentially a waste of time for the state because it was going to be a lot of litigation and the state would end up getting the same restriction anyway if the if the uh, if Roe v. Wade was changed at the Supreme Court just because other states are challenging it and uh, the legislature has been talking about trying to reconvene and override. Uh, the veto, but it's not entirely clear that they have the votes in the in the Senate, uh, so that's still an ongoing question.
0: Okay, great. It was controversial. Thanks for yes. that update on the governor. Uh, here's another one for you. <clears throat> it's the uh, Utah valid, excuse me, Utah Vital Statistics Act amendments, and it says prohibits a change of gender on a person's birth certificate.
1: Right. So, so this is a bill. Okay. So, so now, now that you've gotten to this one, this is a bill that I know didn't pass. Uh, so, I think that uh, some of the other ones we've talked about uh, may not have passed either. Yeah. Actually, uh, I, I just w- this yeah. is a this is a tracking list of bills that are were under consideration. Right. right. So, just to look back through the list uh, to make sure I don't get that wrong. Um, yeah. All the Medicare ones uh, passed. The um, uh, yeah, I think a lot of these that we we discussed uh, did pass. Um, I'm not sure about the um, uh, the health education. I don't believe the health education benefit uh, amendment did pass uh, that we discussed earlier. Yeah. Um, the straight ticket voting. Um, I'm not sure about that one. I think I think it didn't pass either. Uh, so uh, to go back to. Um, uh, to, to go back to the one you asked me about, uh, the
0: the um, Utah Vital Statistics the, right, Act the, Amendments. Right. So the
1: Vital Statistics Act Amendments, uh, this was a bill that was proposed uh, to prohibit um, southern Utah legislators from... Uh, sorry. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> a, a bill that was... Uh, because of the person who proposed it was a southern Utah legislator. That's what I was thinking about. Uh, it, it was proposed to prohibit uh, transgender individuals from... Changing their name on their birth certificate uh, to a name that matches uh, their their gender, and uh, the bill was not not considered. It died in committee. Uh, it did not make it to the floor. Okay, but it
0: was it was considered there, right? Okay. Uh, here's another one: uh, Down syndrome non discrimination abortion act. Right. This one did
1: pass. This was another abortion uh, bill that that made it uh, illegal to have an abortion simply for the purpose of uh, aborting a, a child with Down syndrome, a fetus with Down syndrome. Uh, and this passed uh, overwhelmingly, and the governor did sign this one into law. Okay. Uh, again, this one is not currently viewed as constitutional, but there's some, some thought that the Supreme Court might uphold it uh, at a later time. Okay,
0: um, I've got another one here. It's uh, universal background checks for firearm purchasers. Uh, the bill requires a background check for uh, all firearm sales, which I thought was already a law here, but uh, obviously it wasn't.
1: Right. It's a uh, Universal background checks is not a federal law or a state law, uh, and this is another another provision on gun control
0: that didn't pass. Okay. Yeah. And uh, how about Tax Equalization and Reduction Act? And it says decreases sales and income taxes, expands sales taxes to certain services. So
1: the governor proposed a pretty large uh, realignment of, of uh, taxes in the state. And the purpose of this realignment was is that uh, the state has uh, restrictions on what income tax can be used for and on what sales tax can be used for. And the governor's concern uh, was that uh, they're given those restrictions? There's too much money coming in from income tax and not enough coming in from sales tax to meet the needs as as they develop in those areas. So his proposal was to uh, change the tax program to essentially cut income taxes and raise sales taxes to meet those those different needs, um, and potentially also to change some of the categories in which those those uh, taxes could fall. And uh, ultimately, uh, this the governor proposed this and uh, it. Didn't seem as though uh, the legislature was prepared to act on it right away. It was uh, it's it's a big it would have been probably the biggest um, bill passed uh, the most transformative bill passed for the state if it had gone through, and they wanted more time to talk about it. They wanted more time to study it. So um, there was uh, it became clear by the end of the session it wasn't going to pass this session. Um, And so then there was a proposal uh, on the floor to essentially not fund a large portion of the budget uh, without – Uh, uh, without this passing, Uh, and ultimately what was decided was to just fund the budget as is, but to then potentially hold a special session in the summer to reconsider the tax bill after legislators have been able to talk to their constituents about it. So ultimately what happened here was no action, and probably action will be taken at a later time.
0: Okay, Is this a response to uh, a large surplus that the state of Utah has realized and— some of the pushback on this proposal was because, wait a minute, it was supposed to be a, t- a sales tax or a tax reduction, and now you're trying to tax other services. Uh, I, you know, and Can you explain wh- why are we having this controversy if right. we have a surplus?
1: So the surplus was, a, was an income tax surplus, and according to the, the state law, income tax has to be spent primarily on education. And while there's certainly arguments that education – uh, needs more funding in Utah. Utah lags at the la- the, the very end of uh, state rankings as far as education funding. Um, the amount of money that was in there, uh, the legislature and the governor felt was way too much, and also not sustainable. Not not money that uh, was going to come in year after year, just money that had come in in a particular year. Um, and so, the if you want to do things like build roads, if you want to do things like. Uh, uh, develop social policies uh, and fund them, uh, things like the air quality bill, that has to be funded out of sales tax according to the state constitution. So uh, the goal was to decrease the income tax to keep those surplus, basically to keep the same amount of tax coming in, but have it come in through sales tax so it could be used for those other purposes as well. Uh, As part of the compromise that that ended up with no action immediately on this. Uh, a big chunk of that surplus was spent on education as a sort of one-time windfall, uh, and so there there was a, a pretty strong increase in education funding uh,
0: this year. Although it won't be a permanent thing. Okay, so that was a response to the. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. If it, it, it wasn't the government, cons- the, the the governor's concern and some of his uh, colleagues' concern is that, like you said. Long-term spreading this, these, this surplus. In other words, ensuring that uh, real-life uh, revenue streams would continue to come in to offset, and that's why they propose some new taxes to new services just to maintain right. that.
1: I think that's part of it. Yes, and and, I, and part of the of why this is so controversial is that there is some some criticism of sales taxes uh, by groups on the left who argue that sales taxes are essentially what we call regressive taxes. That they, The income tax is a progressive tax, meaning that uh, as you make more money over the course of the year, uh, you pay not only a higher amount of money, but at a higher rate. Uh, so you you pay a higher percentage of your income in income tax, the larger your income is, the more you can afford it, essentially. Whereas a sales tax, uh, you pay, everyone pays the same amount on a sales tax. So if you, you know, the, the amount of groceries that, uh, that, that I have to buy and the amount of groceries that a, a billionaire has to buy are not that different. And they may be a little different. Maybe the billionaire buys slightly more expensive groceries, but not a million times more expensive groceries. Uh, and so uh, we, we pay essentially the same sales tax, even though we have different incomes. And so increasing the sales tax uh, leads more, a higher proportion of the tax burden to fall onto poor individuals. That said, if they're, if not increasing the sales tax means that a lot of these priorities don't get funded in the state of Utah because of the way that the Constitution is written. So it's a difficult problem. It's a difficult question. Yeah, I
0: hear the term stratification, inequality, uh, everything was involved in this uh, debate. Right. I know the right way to go. But uh, you you mentioned that they are going to reconvene this summer in a special session is that correct That's the goal
1: um I think it, it's to some degree it depends on uh how the these meetings go between the legislators and their constituents over the next few months but that's that's the plan
0: Okay um t- taking a look back and reflecting on the the entire session itself um is there any one or two areas that you think that the the uh, legislature really moved the state of Utah forward in a very, very positive—I mean, your, your expertise is this is your area, so are you pleased? Is there a couple of things that the legislature came through with and voted, uh, bipartisan votes, that really is moving this state forward?
1: Well, I think that a lot of the votes that were taken were uh, that were uncontroversial were all positive steps. Um, I think one, one bill we haven't mentioned that's important to, to talk about is the hate crimes bill. Please. Uh, so there was a hate crimes bill that that uh, was passed several years ago adding uh, – so Utah has a hate crime statute, but the, the bill had added uh, gender and sexual orientation to a list of things that could uh, could be considered as – Whether or not something is chargeable as a hate crime, but that bill uh, essentially has been unenforceable. Prosecutors have complained that they can't effectively use it because the standard for determining whether uh, something is or is not a hate crime is so high that um, that they they can't really convict on that. So they 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 haven't been using it uh, to charge people, despite the fact that the legislature intended it to be used, Um, and so. A bill that was passed uh, this session with a lot of support was a strengthening of that hate crime provision that is now usable. So now if someone uh, commits a hate crime against uh, someone because of their gender or sexual orientation, they can be charged with a hate crime on top of being charged with a with a, a regular uh, – just the regular crime and potentially have a, a stronger – a longer sentence. And again, that's that's the legislature fulfilling a goal that it, it, it tried to fulfill several years ago, and and doing it now in a, in a usable way. I think that's an important development. I think the funding for air quality is an important development. It's a it, as in many cases in Utah, it's it's a first step. Uh, the things move gradually, maybe in every legislative body, but certainly here in Utah, there's a lot of support for that. And so I think I think those are changes that are that are probably going to have a positive effect.
0: Yeah, the the that in, in uh Inversion that they have up there and uh, that, that we don't have to suffer with here in St. George, but right. up there in Salt Lake City, is it was so critical this year, uh, more so than I ever remember it, uh, the number of days that had the orange and the red and right. the res- people with just a minor respiratory problem was uh, were directly affected by Absolutely. that. Absolutely, yeah. and,
1: and that's not going to be fixed by anything the legislature did here, but it, the process has begun, mm-hmm. and I think that's important. That's
0: good, and you brought up about the hate crimes bill. Which was unique is that because previously we talked about one of the bills introduced about transgenders as far as birth certificate changes, right? And that got put on the shelf or didn't go. But the good news is from a uh, LGBTQ plus that was embedded into the hate crimes bill. Some some positive. Well,
1: the bill we talked about previously was a bill that would have banned. transgender individuals from changing their name on their birth certificate. So it was a bill that was designed to limit uh, uh, access to services and and rights for transgender individuals. Uh, There was another bill that was considered and ultimately uh, shelved that was uh, trying to ban conversion therapy in the state of Utah, and that was uh, very controversial and ultimately I, I think it got very confusing for a lot of people there were there were uh people in the senate adding what what seemed to be what, to on the face of things well-meaning amendments that that ended up gutting the bill and then the original sponsor of the bill had to pull it to make sure that it, it didn't produce something even worse and uh, and the the governor said you know the governor w- was supportive of the original bill and then supported the changes and then decided afterwards that he'd made a mistake and he shouldn't have done that. And, uh, so all of that, uh, the, the plan is that that bill be reintroduced uh, next year and perhaps, uh, with a more favorable outcome. Yeah.
0: Miss Perkins from our, uh, uh, the MIC, the multicultural inclusion center, uh, they, uh, she was on, on the show and she talked exclusively on that bill and right. and how there was a tennis match back and forth and, uh, Watered down to a point was ridiculous. So, right, definitely. Yeah.
1: And I should, I should clarify just because we we got a little off track at the beginning. I mean, I, I think a lot of the bills that involved social issues did not pass. Um, the bills involving significant bills involving gun control did not pass. Uh, significant bills involving um, uh, changes to sexual education, uh, sexual health laws, um, bill bills of those type. Um, it had some of them had more or less degrees of success. Some of them were seriously considered, others not. Uh, but for the most part, the legislature stayed out of those questions, with the exception of the hate crimes bill and the bills on
0: abortion. Okay, so your overall impression was it a, was it a worthwhile uh, legislative session in 2019? Did we get did would the state move forward? or Are we still moving too slow?
1: I think uh, I think it, every legislative session is a worthwhile session. I mean I, th- I think it's, it's – if anything, it's interesting that uh, Utah is one of those states that chooses to have a part-time legislature because it really does seem like there's, there's always a lot more to discuss and debate and try to pass than the legislature has time for. I, th- I think there's – at some point in the future, the state may want to reconsider the, the amount of time they dedicate to the legislative session uh, to try to deal with these issues in a more thorough way. Um, But I think the legislature worked pretty economically. They got through a lot of stuff in a short period of time. They postponed the biggest decision and will probably revisit it before next year. Uh, So I think uh, I think a lot got done. Uh, And whether or not that that's the things that got done were were the right things, that's up to the individual voter, I think.
0: All right. Thank you so much for all of your input on that. Now, I want to ask you a question. A uh, more personal note, uh, you're the director of the Institute uh, for Politics or of Politics? Institute of Politics, of Politics and Public at Affairs at Dixie, full uh, name. Uh, yes. And Affairs at Dixie State University. Um Do you have any uh, events coming up? Uh, I've seen you up there on the stage. Uh, You did a great job. Thank you. Uh, So what else have you got planned for the Institute?
1: So uh, if you are, uh, to the listeners, if you are interested in, uh, in the question of what happened in the legislative session and how it all shook out, Um, we are going to, uh, you're going to have someone up there more knowledgeable than me answering that question. Uh, We're going to have uh, some of our legislators from Southern Utah uh, come to an Institute of Politics event uh, and go through all of this again from a very knowledgeable perspective, cover uh, what what happened at the legislature, what they think uh, uh, were the most successful uh, developments, things of that sort. And that's going to be April 18th, uh, the Eighteenth of April uh, at noon, from noon to one uh, in the Gardner Center on campus uh, in Conference Room B. Uh, okay. So, April eighteenth, uh, twelve to one, Conference Room B in the Gardner Center.
0: So, we're going to have the guys who are actually involved. Everybody we were talking about today, you're going to have them right there. Right. What a fantastic opportunity! I'm sure you're going to have a Q and A session at the end. Uh,
1: we'll, we'll see. I think we're going to try to go through a lot of the bills that are that are, that are there and and just uh, you know see what their experiences were and try to. Try to get a, get a closing report from them on that what
0: will, happened. That will be very, very interesting because their perspective and I'm sure that they've got a lot of things went on behind the scenes. I hope they open up their come on and let us know a little bit more about that. That'll, that'll be exciting. You never learn
1: more than when you talk to the people actually involved. Absolutely. So, so we welcome everyone from the Southern Utah community to come Absolutely.
0: out and see that. Fantastic. Well, I think we're about done for this tip show. And uh, Dr. Jeremy Young, I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule. Uh, Uh, Everything you're doing between the teaching, uh, being a professor, as well as the now your director of the uh, politics and director of the Institute of Politics and Public Affairs. (laughs) affairs. Uh, I want to thank everybody for listening in. Uh, We'll be back next week. Um, uh, You can take a look at uh, listen to us at three o'clock on Friday afternoons and rebroadcast at 5 p.m. on Saturdays. Or you can take a look at uh, the handsome face of uh, Dr. Jeremy Young on Facebook, YouTube, uh, Twitter, as well as Alexis. So until next week, this is Bob Oxley for tips, topics, issues, and positions. Signing off, and have a great day.